0: Welcome back to Joying Asim, a video game and movie podcast. I'm Russ, Xbox Live Toaster 360. You know who he is. That's right. Steve, Xbox Live steve And we're walking hard. In episode 176 today, June 6, 2020, we're going to be catching up with each other before we're taking a little bit of a different approach to our topic of the day. This one in particular has a special place in my heart. Walk Hard, The Dewey Cox Story Movie Review, which you can fast forward to if you look at the timestamps located in the detailed section below. But until then, Steve, welcome back to The Weekend. I cannot believe it is June already.
1: It is June, and I've been married for about eight months. (laughs) There you go. Time is
0: lying. You still classify as newlyweds. When do we not classify as newlyweds? After a year? That's a very good question. My initial reaction would be after one year, but honestly, I don't really know. I don't know if there is, like, an official cutoff point where, like, you no longer can be classified as newlyweds. But I think the first year is safe enough. There you go. So, yeah, uh, we're in June, and
1: now it's hot out here. And... um. We're starting to sweat a bit. The mosquitoes are totally out in force. Sweat. You know what also is, is out in force is the uh, little fireflies. They keep coming out. I'm hoping that we're going to have a, um, a respawning of fireflies. And hopefully this time next year we'll have a, an outcropping and they'll be everywhere. And I can take one of those videos where they're everywhere and it's nighttime and they're flying around. And I'll be like, yeah, totally awesome. You should live here. Too.
0: <laughs> I have a funny story for you regarding the fireflies. And I don't think I've told this to you yet, but we were out as a family uh, a few nights ago, and we were actually trying to catch fireflies because we had bought our daughter uh, just this little plastic bug-catching bucket thing. Uh, it's specifically designed so you can, you can take a look at what kind of bugs you catch, and it has a little vent on the top so they can breathe and all that fun stuff. So we ended up catching two of them and it was a lot of fun to be able to have that experience. And then we ended up bringing them back home. And of course uh, Vivian was wanting to hold on to the bugs overnight. I said, no, we can't do that. It was, it's good to look at them for a little bit, but then we need to let them go. And so we, we ended up letting them go in the backyard on our porch and one of them immediately flew away, you know, just, just went out into the, the great, yonder but the other one just kind of decided to hang out it, it liked being on the the walls uh, of the house and that sort of thing and I look up and I, all of a sudden I have this horror um, uh, just this, this like more of a I guess a better way of saying it, of a horrific realization that we are completely surrounded by geckos. I have oh, no I have never seen so many geckos on my house before and it, it, it I've normally like you'll see like one maybe two and that's about it I'm telling you I look so so give everybody a visual so I'm on the the backyard porch area I have a, a but kind of this uh ceiling overhang that helps keep everybody in the shade during the daytime there's like a fan uh, you know ceiling fan and and uh it's just a nice little area to be able to do some grilling and entertaining, that sort of thing. I'm telling you, like, all along all four sides of the, the trim, there were gecko upon gecko. I've never seen so many geckos. And you could tell that they were all strategically kind of in the corner areas um, of each side. In an attempt to try and get bugs. And so you should have seen me. I was doing my absolute utmost. I grabbed a broom and was trying to push, because at one point the, the the firefly ended up landing like precariously close to one of the geckos, but it was on like like the underside angle of the wood trim, so the gecko couldn't see it, but it was crawling its way toward the gecko. And so I was trying to shoo the firefly. I was like, no, you don't want to go there. And <laughs> Luckily, I was able to shoo him away, but then he ended up going like to the other adjacent side of this, um, the, just the, this porch roof area. And there were like two other geckos over there. Well, anyway, we did this thing back and forth. I was, I was desperately trying to shoo off the Firefly and get it back to freedom. And instead, like at one point, it flies right like close to a gecko and that gecko was on it in a heartbeat. So... Totally chomped it. It was like halfway in the, the gecko's mouth and its little butt was sticking out. That and it is gl- terrible. It was glowing profusely. Oh, oh, it was horrible. It was terrible. Like my, all of us were just absolutely mortified. We're like, no. I mean, Vivian was demanding that I like smack that gecko off the, the ceiling and have it fall down onto the floor. Not even try and catch the gecko, but like she wanted some sort of uh, swift justice for the injustice that she had just witnessed. <laughs> it was terrible and then before, you know, we, you could really do anything about it, then the gecko just did some sort of huge gulp and that firefly was no more. It was gone. We did try to look at the gecko for a while afterwards just to see if like its belly would light up, but we didn't see anything like that. So yeah, I, I felt rather uh, guilty and uh, I don't know, reminded of how humanity um, anytime it tries to interfere with nature just uh, screws it up. So, yeah, that, that, that was uh, a, a hapless adventure for that particular firefly.
1: Nice. Oh, my gosh, <laughs> It breaks my heart. And that's why, and that's why the, the firefly population is being decimated. <laughs>
0: Well, uh, and, see, and my thing is, too, is that, like, I really like the geckos because they actually do act as, like, these these natural vacuum cleaners when it comes to various bugs around the house. You know, like, I find them in my garage. I find them on the side of the house or wherever. I don't mind them. I, I think they're great because, like I said, you know, they eat mosquitoes. They eat flies. They eat spiders, all that fun stuff. So, it, you know, I can't get too mad about that. It, it's my fault. It's, 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 uh, I take full responsibility of that, Steve, uh, just trying to show my child a enchanted night of happiness, and it turns into absolute horror. Yeah, <laughs>
1: and tears. <laughs> oh yeah, man. Uh, so yeah, no. It, so it's it is neat. I last year I saw one and only one the entire season of of, uh, of you know summer or whatever, and, and you know when it, I didn't think it would look this way because when you see them. Like in the movies or something, they're just like glowing, like just total glow bugs. And they have this, they just emit, uh, they radiate the light and it's not that way at all. And they, what they look like is basically if you were to strike a match real quick and blow it out, that's what they, that's what it looks like. It's a little flicker, but it's, it's literally the same color as a little fire flame. Like if it just whisked, like if, let's say like you, uh, you flicked a cigarette <clears throat> real quick and, um, but it was close to the ground. I mean, that's almost what it looks like when they're that far away and you think, oh my goodness, is there a, a little flicker of flame in the grass? Like, you know, in this dry grass, <laughs> is, is there going to be a fire soon? And, and so that's when it gets your attention and then you see the same flicker, but it's like now like a foot away, but in the air. And then you see it again in, in a different direction. And so, you think it's actually little fire flicks in the air. I think that and that's how they got their name, basically. They look like little fire. They, they, they're flying sure. around, and they look like little bits of fire. So, anyhow, um, it, it is definitely cool, and we, we're we enjoying taking little evening night walks uh, to see them, you know, pop up here and there. They, they, they like to stay close to the trees, I think, because they they feel safe or something. But Well, they don't um,
0: fly very fast. That was one of right. the things that I realized when we were out there hunting for them is, they're they're pretty easy to catch. They they kind of just I don't know, meanderly float through the air. They're not nearly as fast as like a mosquito or a fly.
1: Right. Yeah. So anyhow, well that's been cool with the with the season change. Um so but anyhow, we finished season one of Iron Fist on Netflix <sighs> and we have started Marvel's Defenders. So now it's all the people. Uh, or at least four of them. <laughs> the Netflix all the Netflix shows all combined into one, and uh, so far so great uh, with that. Uh, I would definitely recommend it. It gave me a couple of goosebumps. It's nice to see Matt Murdock back on the screen, who's uh, who's Daredevil. Mm-hmm. I tell you, if I, you know, when the the Dallas Expo comes back, and if they have all the like the comics and stuff that they did uh, last time, I I might look for my uh, my season one Daredevil. I think I actually will. I, I I'm I'm that interested.
0: I tell you, it is such a bummer that the the Dallas Fan Expo got shut down for this year due to coronavirus because the the list that they had of various guests and celebrities that were coming. I, I was beside myself. I, I, I actually, it was crazy because on the one hand I wasn't going to be able to go. If you recall, like like you and, and your wife were probably going to go and, and get some of the, the, the fun sound bites and stuff like that and autographs and um, just being able to, to see who all is there just because I was in California working um, at the game studio. And, and, um, and then all of a sudden this whole thing happened where all of a sudden now I'm at the moment I'm back in Texas and, but now like all, all the different shows and stuff have been canceled, just like the rest of them around the country. So it's a bit of a bummer, but they did say that, I mean, they're going to be doing something next year for sure. And there is a, there's kind of like this, almost like a part two show that goes on during the, the second half of the year. I think it's either in September or October, somewhere around there, but it's a uh, fan days. And I think that they have some... I don't know if it's the same organization that puts it on or if it's a sister organization. I'm not exactly sure. But it's kind of a not quite as epic of a show, but still really fun to go to um, when you compare it to the Dallas Fan Expo. Right. So, <clears throat> I'm sorry. Anyhow...
1: Uh, I'm looking forward to, you know, that whenever, when uh, when that comes back around next June or May uh, next year, we'll see. Yeah. It's probably going to be, I don't know if they're going to have the same people come back, but it's probably going to be like twice as epic as it was before. Because, yeah, we've got a lot of people who were really antsy to go and now they can't go, you know? Ants in their pants. Ants <laughs> in their pants. Other than that, Russ, you'll be glad to know I put down God of War for a little bit. I'm not and glad that you put I'm God not, of War down. Yeah, I gotta finish, <laughs> and I've been playing a lot more Legends of Runeterra.
0: Oh, okay. Well, in that case, you're forgiven.
1: As a matter of fact, I edited my deck a little bit. Um, I'm still not seeing all the my, my cards are all going someplace. I don't know. I still need help.
0: But are you getting a better command over like how to navigate through the UI?
1: Yes. A, li- a little bit, yes. Um, but it, it basically comes down to, I, I guess this is true of all kind of card games where it's completely random what cards you get. And so right. it, it makes it a little bit hard to strategize or to know if I should change anything about my deck because at some point my deck is great. At other times, my deck sucks. And so, like, it'll go, like, I, I've had, I, t- I got a hand once where... All the cards that I have are a high level card. And so that while that's great, I'm getting whooped on because I don't have any of the lower level cards that they ask you for in the beginning. And so um, it'll give me like a level four, five, 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 six, nine. I'm like, great. So I got to go back and forth until, you know, wait my turn, get beat on until the level four cards are available. (laughs) And then I can basically start the game. By that point, I'm starting with a handicap of down 10 points and I have 10 remaining and I have to get them for, you know, so it's like, "Mm, this random, this randomness is killing me or it'll give me like a bunch of spells. Like, and that's all I have is spells. Like, well, if an ally dies, then you can summon a couple of these guys. I'm like, well, I don't have an ally to die because you didn't give me one to place out there. All I have is spells, you know, and (laughs) then the first spell I can do is like four or a six. I'm like, well, nuts. Well, this is terrible. And so uh, it's it is definitely you know, the randomness is is killing me. But I did start to play against uh, you know PvP instead of you know player versus AI because the AI kind of got a little it did the in, the difficulty did increase but it definitely was not as fun or intriguing as if it was another player. Because oh yeah.
0: It's a whole nother world when you're playing against a player.
1: Yeah. So, uh, and it's funny because oftentimes I'm so used to my deck that I know exactly what I'm going to play. Cause I know what's in my hand and I'll, and I'll throw it out there within the next turn. So I'm pretty quick with mine. Cause I don't have any other options. Uh, like if you have a one card that is a one level you can only play that one, you can't play the three or whatever. And so, but too many people will take the most amount of time as if it's chess. And then a the little like time bar will come up on the right, like, okay, if you don't make a move by now. You're gonna forfeit your turn and it's gonna go back to him. And and man, people take forever to to put out a play. And sometimes their play will be totally epic. And I think, well, what? How why did it take that long to plan this? You have like five cards in front of you. You, and it gives a description of everything they're going to do. Why not just throw them out? So, and that it, yes, it has been more fun, but yes, it has taken a lot more time. So anyway, it's still fun. Um, I If I have time, I'll play against somebody. If I don't have that much time, I'll still play against AI because if I'm distracted or I have to roam back and forth, I don't want the time to, to run out. And with when you're battling against AI, it doesn't give you that time limit.
0: Well, when you see, when you, you know, when you log on, see if I'm playing, because you can always challenge me, uh, you know, send me an invite and and we can play together.
1: Well, I I've looked, usually it'll say like a one on top of the, like a little symbol for another person. If there's somebody else online and I haven't ever seen you online. Oh, interesting. But Anyhow, uh, I've, I've, I, I, I don't think this was, I didn't mean for this to happen, but I've, I've made my deck mostly of like the, the spectral cards.
0: Yeah. The shadow aisles.
1: Yeah. I'm not sure why that uh, happened, but I didn't really mean for that to happen, but that's kind of how it, it happened. So I, l- I anyway. love the shadow aisles, but I did find out, I'm like, where are all my cards? And I found the icon where you, you, you click on and it pulls down and it shows the other, basically the other types of, uh, realms that you can choose from, like other cards. So I thought, uh, oh, there it is. Well, maybe I'll make a whole new deck uh, and then just do uh, you know, like Demacia or Demacia and, uh, you know, the, the, the wind people or whatever their, their name is. But anyhow, so I, I, a little bit further explanation or uh, exploration. Yes. <laughs> okay. Is needed, But uh, so far, there has been a little bit of progress
0: there, Russ. Well, that's good. Yeah. I mean, w- when it comes to the deck creation, it's definitely one of the strongest, dare I say, suits, no pun intended there, or maybe it was, I'm not going to say, <laughs> but in, when it comes to the, the actual creation of the customization of their various decks, I think I've told you before in the past, I think I have now 30 different decks that I have customized and and have different types of strategies assigned to them. So it's really cool to like look at different cards and go, okay, I know I want to do a an emphasis on these cl- like class of cards. And I know that there are different regions that share similar or, or or the same type of cards. And so it's great to be able to do that and then test it out and see if it works. If it doesn't, um, oftentimes um, there, there is some tweaking that is necessary because it's a little too lopsided and you need to be able to kind of have a little bit of a balance in order to try and survive until you're able to pull off whatever it is you're trying to pull off. So that's definitely cool. The other thing I was going to say is back when you were talking earlier about um, how you have no control over the cards, I totally know what you're talking about. How like there are times when the AI will rattle me down to having only like 10 points left on my Nexus and I'm finally able to start turning the tide, so to speak, because I don't have any control over which cards get selected either. And honestly, I mean that, that is part of the unpredictability fun factor of the game is you don't have any control over like which cards are going to be selected. And it's no different than like your classic card games. Like if you play poker or rummy or, um, even Old Maid, it doesn't matter. Um, that, even if you're playing Monopoly and you get a chance card, right? You never know what that card is going to say. And so it, it kind of makes every playthrough kind of a, a refreshing experience, despite some of the other things of the game that have become more familiar or predictable. Hmm. There you go. There you
1: go, Rudd. Indeed. Anything else new with you? No, no, that's going to be about, it. we did uh we did try our hand at Overwatch the other night and um
0: sucked. You know, I don't think <laughs> we it was did fun. that badly. I think we we won some of those rounds. I would say it was 50-50. Yeah, I maybe
1: 50-50. We 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 got some updated headsets because basically for the reason nothing else other than I lost mine. <laughs> so I had to get a, a something else, which then spurred you to go, you know what? I got to get something else too. So <laughs> we tried that and had a bunch of uh, technical issues in the beginning of the stream, which was terrible. But then we, uh, we got back to normal and it was definitely a fun time. I would say.
0: It was a fun time. I had a good time with you. It was definitely um, a much more improved experience in terms of our headsets Having said that, we're you know, we're still having to work through your uh, headset issue. I feel like like it, it was an improvement in terms of people being able to actually hear what we have to say, but at the same time it's still a work in progress where I, I do think that we need to find uh, a headset for the two of us that is more worthy of streaming. Wouldn't you say?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I I think that I, I just think it's the problem It's going to be difficult because I have a wired controller. So I don't know if I want to get a whole brand new wired controller just for my headset. Because I was talking to uh, some friends and and they said, "Yeah, if you have a wired controller, you're not. That's the way all of them are going to be." So, well, see, mine's wired
0: and it doesn't have that.
1: Yours is a wired controller. You're not using wireless.
0: Con- that is correct. I, I connect my headset directly into my Xbox controller.
1: No, your controller is is wireless. It's not connected to the oh, Xbox.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, that is correct. My controller is wireless.
1: Right. So I, they're saying that that's, that's the problem. But I still have yet to talk to
0: Turtle Beach uh,
1: and see if, if there's anything that can be done. That's going to be today's task.
0: I see. Yeah, you have kind of a, a funky setup when it comes to your controllers because... Uh, for some reason I you, I guess you don't really have like the standard official Xbox one wireless controller. you have like these weird uh, third party setups or something I can't remember exactly what they are.
1: well they're they're officially licensed by Xbox but I got tired of I, well that my wireless controller broke um and so when I went to go buy another one I thought you know what I, I'm just part of me is just kind of tired of having to, to to plug it in to recharge i'd rather just if i'm not think about it whatsoever and just play the game rather than kind of always be concerned about oh you know my controller has to be recharged or oh i gotta go plug it in right now or you know whatnot or it's gonna fail in a certain amount of minutes i rather just keep on playing and so that's why i went to the the wired controller I, I, it was a conscious <laughs> like specific decision uh, to go back to the wired controller um and so, anyway, I where there's a will, there's a way. I mean, it, it, it I, there has to be something that that works, but maybe it's the the headset specifically that I got. But it seems like it's definitely something that's being sent just to another headset um, instead of the, of the game, because the game when I went back to listen to it a couple of times, I mean, it's barely any. It, it's more audible when I'm trying to fix it and and like muting myself. That's way more audible than that the the amplification hum that that's that's present in your headset. Mm-hmm. And so that's the one issue that needs to be fixed. Because if I if I if I make the gaming experience not so fun on your end because you're having to deal with this constant hum and drone in your ear the entire time, and you're going to turn your headset down, which means you might miss communication that I'm trying to, you know, strategize with you or tell you something about, um, which, you know, that kind of alleviates <laughs> the whole point of going up to headsets and, and trying to talk watch exactly. Overwatch.
0: The idea of communication. Yes. So anyhow,
1: well, what have you been up to Russ.
0: I've been up to quite a bit. Uh, you know, I too, it's no surprise, I have been thoroughly enjoying Legends of Runeterra. I actually created, I, I may have said this last episode, but I, I've created uh, a new deck recently that um, I call Supremely Annoying. And it's where I, I have yeah. yeah, okay. I, I've been having actually a lot of fun with that. And what's really funny is I've had probably the most success playing other players and winning with that deck. All my other decks, I just I, I kind of lose more often than I win. So I think that's kind of funny how that has come to pass, but anyway, uh having a blast with that game. I also got past the Hellhouse in Final Fantasy VII remake, so I figured you would be relieved to hear the the good news on that.
1: Oh, I am. I'm wiping I'm wiping the sweat from my brow right now.
0: Indeed. So we are at the point now where Apparently Aerith is is being fitted for some sort of amazing outfit, and I have a feeling that Cloud will get roped into also participating in some sort of fashion thing. So we'll just have to wait and see how that works, because we're we're trying to infiltrate uh the the what was his name? Like Corleone? Not Corleone, but Cor- I don't know. Some some Weasley slimy dude who likes to try and uh, hook up with uh, beautiful women kind of thing. So uh, Tifa apparently is, is undercover in that situation and we're trying to bail her out. So I don't know if that rings a bell at all for you.
1: It does ring a bell. Yep. ring It does a little ding-a-ling-a-ling. Right, huh?
0: We've also been playing more Animal Crossing on the Nintendo Switch. Nintendo Switch, actually, I have been giving a fair amount of attention and love to ever since it got delivered back to me. And so my daughter and I have been having a blast playing Animal Crossing. We're still trying to learn all the ins and outs of it. I've actually made um, a, <laughs> a dedicated note in my iPhone that um, contains like this huge list of different tips and stuff as to how to to properly navigate your way into all the different uh, experiences that the game has to offer. So that's fun. Good old daddy-daughter time with gaming. I can't get any kind of better than that, in my opinion. I was also playing more streets of Rage four on the switch. I don't know if I to- I think I may have said that last episode as well. Yeah, but I've been having fun continuing my my playthrough of that. it It just it fits that platform really well. I also was lucky enough to score some free games courtesy of Mr. Michael Condry, who's the studio head uh, over at thirty first Union where I work. Uh, We were able to have some game codes, and so I was able to get some for the Switch, and I ended up getting XCOM 2, the entire Borderlands Legendary Edition Mafia Trilogy, and the Bioshock Trilogy, which, of course, if you think about it, all of those games are part of the 2K Games family, but um, that has significantly increased the library on my Switch. I think I had prior to that, it was around six games or so. And you know, those games plus the Luigi's Mansion three and, um, Link's Awakening that I bought last week. Um, it's, it's turning into a nice little robust library, which is nice for, to be able to take on the road, you know, I hear you. Speaking of Link's Awakening, I have been playing more Link's Awakening, it's a lot of fun. I, you know, at this point in time, I have both Breath of the Wild and Link's Awakening, both of which, of course, are Zelda games. I haven't beaten either one yet, but it's fun how different they both are. And with Link's Awakening, it's definitely a throwback to more of the the classic traditional Zelda. You know, kind of over head looking down, working your way through, getting those little like green diamonds from the creatures or, or places of the environment. Um, Definitely kind of a a throwback to like the the good old NES days, although they've they've given the graphics and everything else a huge facelift. But it's fun. It's it's definitely a, a different style of gaming experience than what I'm accustomed to when it comes to Xbox and PlayStation 4. I am also happy to report that the Skyline Diffuser, the one I've been working on for the show for... The better part, I think, of two years now (laughs) is almost complete. I literally have, I think, about four or five more rows to put together, and then the whole thing will be done, and we can actually mount it onto the wall. So I'm really excited about it. I have them all lined up uh, upstairs in my house, and they're all waxed. They're all looking fantastic. So the next time, whenever you're able to come over, Steve... I'll have to show it to you, and uh, hopefully you'll like it. Hopefully you'll have nothing but rosy, positive things to say. <laughs> Me? Um,
1: yeah, that'll have to be post-pandemic there,
0: Russ. Uh, exactly, exactly. And finally, I watched a movie that is a lot of fun, uh, Shoot em Up with Clive Owen. It That's- came out... Uh, yeah, several years ago, but it's just it's one of those like brain dead fun popcorn movies. It's just it's so over the top and ridiculous, but it's so fun to watch every now and then. So that's it's, with it's like
1: uh, that's with Monica Bellucci's in there, isn't she? Yes, yes, yes
0: you are correct. Yeah, the, it, it's a great action movie. Really, really fun stuff. Like I said, totally ridiculous. But sometimes you just you you want to watch some ridiculous. That it's just uh, right. what is on the menu. Well, ready or not, it's time for our topic of the day. of the day is walk hard. The Dewey Cox story review. This is a bit of a change up for us in the sense that normally we like to review a lot of movies that have come out recently that have, have, um, are are still in theaters and you know, we kind of keep our finger on the pulse as to what's been going on. However, there's a, there's a two pronged approach to this. One is, is that there are so many great older films that I do believe are completely relevant in terms of discussing them, geeking out about them, having nostalgia for them, that sort of thing. And while we're not on video yet, the ones we are actually doing video it's going to be a lot of fun to be able to properly analyze a lot of the, the treasured movies that we've all come to know and love. The second part of that prong, though, is that due to COVID-19, all the theaters, of course, have been shut down temporarily, and all of the movies that were slated to come out during the first half of 2020 have been pushed, postponed, that sort of thing. And so we are cognizant of this, and we want to make sure that we're not leaving our movie audience high and dry, because it's been a while since we've done a bit of a movie review. And so we thought to ourselves... I think it'd be fun, or we thought it would be fun to be able to review not only an older movie, but a movie that is a comedy. Because quite frankly, given the current events in uh, the country and the world, I think we could all use some some levity and laughter. Wouldn't you agree, Steve? Yeah, I would, Russ. I would uh, humbly agree. So having said that, uh, I say we could just do the the same type of approach where we offer a high-level thought so that, that I'm sure there are people out there who have not seen this movie and then go into spoiler territory. Does that sound good to you, Steve?
1: Sounds like, uh, sounds like a plan, right? Sounds like oh, um, okay. anything else would be uh, n- not part of the plan. You know what I'm saying? No. <laughs> you gotta, you know, stick, to, stick to what we're
0: used to, you know? Uh, I, I like, I like what you're saying there, Steve. I agree. So, uh, I'm very curious because, so this is a film that I have seen countless amounts of times. It's been in my library for years, but you have not seen it. And so I would like to hear from you first. What are your high level thoughts?
1: It seems like a movie that I would think you would enjoy. I knew you're going to say that. <laughs> yeah, it's it's definitely a movie. I would think I, I looked at it like, okay. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm down. I'm, I'm open. I'll, I'll watch it. Sure. You know, I, I, I could use a laugh. It's been a while since I've, since I've seen a comedy. Um, I, uh, I, I could definitely use some, some laughter. Let's let, let's do it. We haven't even reviewed a comedy for the longest time. So, um, I was definitely down, but the humor is definitely your <laughs> humor. <laughs> I'm like, you know what? Okay, going into this, there's probably going to be a lot of like in-your-face stuff. It's definitely going to be slapstick, which is not, you know, definitely not a bad thing. Um, but uh, I haven't seen a movie with. I, well, I think the last movie I, I've seen with uh, John C. Riley, I was was Wreck-It Ralph. I think wasn't he the voice of Wreck-It Ralph? If I'm not mistaken. Yep. Yep, he was. So I haven't seen much of him lately, and I and so I was definitely open. And uh, I thought, hey, wifey, let's you and me watch this <laughs> for dinner. Also, we're chomping down. Um, and so I wanted to make sure, since we decided to get a little bit late what the topic of the day was going to be, that I had enough time to watch the movie, let it sink in, let it. Let me marinate on it a little bit before we actually go to 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 the show. So we watched it right after work, right after we made dinner. We brought dinner into uh, to the couch, uh, to in front of the TV, and began to watch. And she gave me a look, saying, "I think this is going to be a Russ movie." And I said, "Well, it's definitely <laughs> a Russ movie. He has it in his library." And she's gonna, and she says, "Well, I don't know if it's going to be." that funny because sometimes Russ is really funny and sometimes I don't get what his humor is at all. And I thought <laughs> I know exactly what his humor is. And John C. <laughs> Riley is right up the, 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 the alley of Russ's humor. And so that could either mean I'm laughing my butt off and my wife's not going to laugh when therefore awkward, or I'm not going to laugh all that much. And it was probably the latter of the two because in the beginning I, I was, I was, I was, I was busting a gut and it was, it was that like, Hey, this is going to be good. And then it got to be really predictable. And, um and so, yes, it, it, it was fun, but it was, I think a little too much, like in your face. I knew some of this stuff was going to happen. <laughs> oh my gosh. So I mean I can appreciate uh, that type of humor, but it's it's not just not something that I personally, you know, can't wait to go see or put that title in my library. I you know I mean Ace Ventura is real slapstick humor too, and I thought that was funny. I mean you know, or, or like Dumb and Dumber is is was was definitely funny for me. Um, but uh, or Airplane, for example, is funny. Not at the Roxbury to me is funny, uh, but for some reason like. If it's John C. Riley, he, he just kind of acts like John C. Riley in a ton of movies, and I knew this one was going to be like just really in my face. And in my face, it isn't necessarily funny, I would say. So anyhow, we had a, a decent time watching the movie. I mean, I'm not going to say it was terrible because it, well, it definitely was not terrible, but I, I'm not going to say that I, I thought it was hysterical. Uh, and want to go out and and, uh, and add it to my Amazon list anytime soon either,
0: Russ. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, for me, so y- you are very right. Y- you know your brother very well. It-, it is a movie for me that I absolutely love. Uh, the The movie itself, without going into to crazy detail, it's a spoof on music biopics, and we've had quite a few of those. Even more recently, we we've had. Uh, a couple of them come out um, and typically there, there's there's a lot of, of folks who are interested in it because it, it tends to cover one of their favorite musical artists who either is no longer with us or maybe they are, but they've had like this this pretty remarkable history. So I thought the movie itself was was incredibly funny. Um, I thought John C. Roddy was fantastic. I do agree. You know, it's interesting to hear you talk about how when you see John C. Riley, it's John C. Riley being John C. Riley, but at the same time, he has such hilarious comedic timing, in my opinion. I, I really do think that he is able to play a lot of these these different characters. Typically, he tends to play more of the supportive role character, um, and you know, like like for instance you see quite a few films with him and Will Ferrell where where Will Ferrell tends to kind of take more of the spotlight, but then John C. Riley is his his co-pilot, his wingman, you know, and I think that works out really well. So what was cool about this particular film was that John C. Riley was the headliner, and I thought that he, like I said, I thought he was fantastic. I thought he was really able to carry the character in the film and that he didn't have to rely on another comedian to be able to... um take the spotlight in order to, to make the film, um, have legs, so to speak. But, um, other than that, I thought it was amazing how they were able to, they they spun this rather serious conflict in the life of a fictional musician into this like hilarious comedic performance. Um, which, you know, when I was thinking about it, it's like, all you have to do is tweak it just a bit and suddenly, like, it could easily become a drama like Forrest Gump. The, there, there are certain types of similarities I found that this movie kind of struck in terms of um, kind of the, the timeline of it starting out more in, like, the mid to late 40s and then make, going all the way to present day. And granted, Forrest Gump wasn't a musician, but there were a lot of, like, the different types of events that transpired that the character went through and lived through and you know, had the love of his life, uh, be with him, leave him, come back again, all that fun stuff. And so um, not to mention the fact that when when I'm, you know, speaking of comedians, there is a load of amazing comedians in this film that when you look at them, they're a whole lot younger. You can tell that that they were um, a whole lot newer to the Hollywood scene than they are today because we've gotten used to seeing them for so many years that, you know, this film came out, I think in 2007, so it's been, what, 13 years? <laughs> and uh, I mean, time just flies when I think about that. Uh, for me personally, I mean, like you you nailed it. I, I think that um, there are, for me, it, it, is, it is such a Russ film. There were so many scenes where I laughed until I cried. I mean, even, I, and again, I've watched this film so many times over the last 13 years and just watching it again last night, I still like, obviously I wasn't laughing as hard cause I knew what was coming, but there were still certain things that I just, I found the comedic timing to be so funny. So for me personally, I would definitely recommend uh, anyone watching it. Um, if they haven't seen it, it is like to Steve's point, kind of like that John C. Riley style. Like, like if you've seen him in any of his other types of comedies, um, it is very much more like that. So if you don't like it, then maybe you should skip it. But if you are fans of like Talladega Knights and some of the others that, that he has been involved with, uh, I would certainly recommend that. So with that said, Steve, uh, why don't we walk hard into the spoiler elevator? I noticed that since we haven't been in here for a while, ah, uh, it's looking a little dusty, a little grimy.
1: Walking hard, Russ. That doesn't mean that you have to stomp your feet. That just means have a have a, have a good swagger. <laughs> Don't think you have to stomp a hole in the floor with every step.
0: What if you shuffle? Can you shuffle hard?
1: You can shuffle hard. Yes.
0: Oh, can you? Sashade hard
1: <laughs> i don't know if i really have sashayed
0: <laughs> oh you know you you have uh well maybe you don't know you have you just don't know it how about that sure
1: rose i'll, I'll give that description
0: oh good we're at our spoiler floor so uh, as akin to what we typically do this is now spoiler territory so if you haven't seen the film and you don't want to be that's right. Spoiled. Then you might want to pause us. Otherwise, if you don't mind, then just keep on listening. Or if you've seen the movie already, well, it kind of goes without saying, keep on listening. So when it comes to the plot, I would like to hear... You, you've actually been having a, a gas of a time, dare I say, with giving the plot. So please, Steve, can you tell us what the plot of this film is? So... Let's say if you've ever watched
1: Walk the Line with Joaquin Phoenix, which is the Johnny Cash story, it's going to follow very closely to that. However, if you mix in some shenanigans with uh, you know this very poor family, there's this kid pops out and, and just, just living the perfect life, can't do no wrong uh, except for when John C. Riley tries to play along and ends up Often his brother, and his brother says very nicely to him, You gotta live for the both of us, and you gotta be double as good as I ever was. Though, of course, that you, you throw in a bunch of stereotypes of like the, you know, the family, you know, the dad, the hard, hard-nosed dad can't ever forgive him, and, and so he lives with the, the the guilt for the rest of his life, but he finds one thing that is very good at, which is playing guitar and singing. And doing so causes people to ju- just be mystified by him, of course. Uh, and that's basically where the, the, the transition goes to uh, <laughs> almost match in a, in a stereotypical fashion uh, to uh, walk the line. Because if you Johnny <laughs> not catch the story in this story, you're almost identical where – you know, he gets married at like fourteen, pops out a kid, and is supporting her or whatever. <laughs> Although it's still just John C. Riley and his older self
0: claiming that he's like fourteen, whatever. <laughs> Did you see the Joaquin Phoenix?
1: Yeah, saw it in I, the theater. The theater.
0: Uh, you know, I have never seen it. It's on my to-watch list.
1: Yeah, definitely. It, it's
0: basically the same exact.
1: It's not the same exact thing, but if you take the the uh, at least half the story, I mean, you know, he. He writes this song, uh, you know Johnny Cash in the movie writes a song, and it and it it kind of comes out of nowhere, and it becomes this really big hit from nowhere, and it's different than anybody else has ever done. So a lot of folk, he he goes from nothing to stardom, pretty darn quick, and the, the lifestyle does have an effect on him, where you know staying home and 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 trying to lift the burden of of taking care of your small children every single day and helping out your wife. Versus the call of what you feel you've been destined to do, go on the road, you know, be this 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 star and have everybody flock to you and love you and and, and making all the money and and forgetting about all your responsibilities, um, you you start to get into all the, the the temptations that life has to offer you, and of course that has an effect on your personal life. And he ends up, of course, uh, I think I was actually one of his backup singers or someone who is a, a do du- you know sings a duet with him on stage. Ends up falling in love with her and, and, you know, through alcoholism and whatnot, you know, they almost, they split up and then they come back together. And it's literally like, if you take away the comedy part of Walk Hard, it's basically the same exact story of Walk the Line. So, which is absolutely fine. I mean, they're just doing a parody basically of, of Walk the Line. Uh, so, anyhow, that's, that's basically your, your synopsis.
0: Well, thank you for that, Steve. I appreciate that. And yeah, it's just to pick up on some of the things um, that you said, you know, Dewey Cox as a kid accidentally kills his older, more talented brother um, and essentially uses his guilt and pain to become a gifted musician uh, to, you know, with, with the whole purpose of to to be uh, what was it like? great for the both of them or something like doubly great or something to that effect. So, you know, looking at that for a moment, I I really did think that it was just a funny setup because on the one hand, it's so over the top. And especially when you watch, like, like, like if you watch a kid die, like you're, you know, to me, that's a very big creative challenge. Like how do you get people to laugh at something like that? And I really love how in my, like, like, I mean, obviously there's a shock value with it, but at the same time, it's really funny. Like they weren't trying to make it, you know, horrible or anything like that in terms of the seriousness of it. But it's literally like that Acme style, just (laughs) super funny of watching the the upper half, like on the floor, just continue to talk normal and everything else. And so I, I thought that was a lot of fun. And even like when it comes to, to some of the funny things, too, like, what, like him getting married to his 12 year old girlfriend, which, you know, both characters are clearly not 12 and 14 years old. They're, they're like probably when they shot this, they were probably in their late 30s, early 40s. Uh, so it was it was funny to, to see some of the, the, the clear gags in a lot of this that went on. Of course, he starts getting into the drugs, which, I mean, you've seen in, in so many different biopics as it applies to musicians, um, you see how they go down this familiar road. And even those types of scenes too were a lot of funny, like how they they kind of re- rinse and repeated the same kind of thing, like, you don't want this, it's not good for you, you know, that sort of thing. And they go through the, the whole list of, of different types of side effects and that sort of thing. I thought that was a, a lot of fun to be able to to go through. And I mean, really I think it's worth transitioning a bit into a bit of the, the cast because I think the cast really made this film. I, I think that if they didn't have the same cast, I don't think it would nearly have been as entertaining for me. And I mean, I wrote down, I, I went on to IMDb just just to take a look. And, you know, in addition to John C. Riley, I mean, we have Jenna Fisher, who was, you know, she was wife number two. You know, the only other place I've seen her is Pam from The Office, right. the, the TV show. And so this, I mean, I've, I thought this was a breakout role for her. It really shows, like, a lot more of her comedic range because in The Office, the character Pam is decidedly, Pretty different from the character that she played in, in this particular film. What did you think of her performance in Walk Hard?
1: Oh, her performance was, was great. But um, I mean, it, it was this was actually the first movie that I saw with her actually in it. I don't think I've seen anything else with her besides The, the Office on TV. But I, I don't know. I think she did great. I know this was totally different than what I am used to seeing her, her do. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, kudos to her. I have a question though. And the description of the movie says that he got married three times. I remember him getting married twice. Did he get married three? Yeah. No, he only got married twice. That's what I thought. All right, I didn't miss anything. Then I thought I missed something.
0: Oh, weird. I don't. I don't know where. Um, it must have been a typo or something.
1: Yeah, I read it. Basically, it was written by Sony Pictures on IMDb. So I was like, hmm, huh, this seems accurate, but I think I missed something. But uh, anyway.
0: I would be curious to know what Jenna has been doing since that time because, again, this film came out in 2007 and I, for one, I can't think of other films that she has been a part of or TV shows, really. Do you know of any?
1: Oh, well, I uh, brought her up, Russ, on uh, IMDb since I had Oh, it. good, <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see. So she has been in the movie. Actually, well, the, the, the dates are all kind of shuffled around. She's basically been in Slither. That was in, 20, that was in 2006.
0: Oh, wow, um, I didn't know that. She
1: was in The Giant Mechanical Man uh, in 2012, uh, she was in splitting up together. Let's see. Um, apparently I haven't, uh,
0: watched a whole lot of stuff that she's been. In. Um, <laughs> well, that's my point is like, I don't know if she's been in a ton.
1: Oh, she was in, uh, the fifth, the the, 1517 uh, to Paris. I have seen that. I don't remember her being in there in that one. Maybe I, I just didn't I've, recognize her.
0: I don't think I saw that. I don't think you did
1: either. Um, let me see. Anyway, I think that's, that is about it that you and I would both, uh, recognize. Did we, did you see the movie hall pass? She was in hall pass.
0: I don't think I saw that either. Anyway. But anyway, having, um, like, just seen, seeing her performance, I thought she was really great. Like, she added a lot to the overall film. But then looking down the list here, I mean, Tim Meadows, he played Sam. He was the drummer. He was the guy in the bathroom saying, you don't want any part of this. You know, um, he, I believe, wasn't he, he was either part of Saturday Night Live or Mad TV or something. I I, I can't remember which one it was from, but he he's like a supremely funny guy. Then you have Paul Rudd. If you noticed, he played John Lennon during the whole Beatles. Right. I mean, he's <laughs> that you're looking at a very young Paul Rudd. I mean, this is before he became Ant Man and he was in the Avengers and all other kind of stuff. You know, I think um, this was kind of more during his raw comedic days. You had Jason Schwartzman, who was Ringo Starr. If you recall, he was the the Galaxy Quest nerd who um, Tim Allen had to rely on to bail them out. Um, You know, I thought he did a a great impersonation. You have Jack Black, who looked really young. He was Paul McCartney. Jonah Hill, who was like the the older, older brother. Um, You have uh, Chris Parnell, who was the bass player. He's always really funny, too. He's been in a number of different films. Raymond J. Berry, who played the father. I'm not really familiar with a lot of his work, but I thought he was really funny, too. I mean, the him being able to deliver that line over and over again like the wrong kid died you know it was it was so funny to like watch his uh, mannerisms and expressions apparently that was actually his first comedy movie he's ever done he tends to do more serious stuff so I thought that was worth mentioning also too did you recognize Harold Ramis no Harold Ramis was one of the Jewish producers that found John C. Riley in that um, that nightclub, and started his journey. I thought he looked. I I couldn't
1: place him. I'm like, I know that voice. I know. I know some of the facial features of his, but I couldn't place him. I wouldn't have said it was him.
0: You know, um, Kristen Wiig, who was wife number one, she is hilarious. I mean, she's been a part of Saturday Night Live for years now. Um, and I think that she's done uh, a terrific job with the various characters that she's played. And and I think that she's one of the female comedians that, I mean, I, I just find her absolutely hilarious. You know, a lot of different um, female comedians that I've seen doesn't have the, at least comedic timing for me that registers with me where like all of a sudden, like I just can't stop laughing, but she, she is hilarious. You also have, um, Matt Besser, who was the, the pianist, um, he was the one who, who had that more uh, lower sounding voice where he's like, you slept with my wife. You know, I, <laughs> I, I've never really, I, again, I don't think I've seen him in anything else, but I mean, he too had a lot of funny moments. Um, there was Frankie Muniz, who I haven't seen uh, since his, his stint on TV. You know, he had a small part, but it was fun to like have him in there. There was Ed Helms, um, who, if you recall, he was the uptight friend from the Hangover movies, you know, wearing the right, glasses right, and all yeah, that. Yeah, right. He's been in actually quite a lot of the more recent comedy films, whether it's a leading role or it's more of like a, just a short role like this one here. But I mean, he was certainly younger in this particular film. Um, and finally, Craig Robinson as well, who, who uh, played a, a role in this film. You know, looking at this list, you have a ton of people who you know, up until that point probably only had maybe a handful of films that they had been in as opposed to 13 years later to today where now they have each um, quite a substantial catalog of different films. But I thought it was worth noting how much genius um, comedic talent was in this movie itself. Now, one of the things that I'm curious about you, Steve, is what was your favorite moment of the film?
1: (laughs) Um, I, let's see, favorite moment. I would probably, let's see. I would have, I, I think I would say towards like the beginning second act where he the he has, he made his little debut in that nightclub, um, uh, where everyone's supposed to dance erotically. <laughs> and and then you know, of course he goes you know the, the jewish folks see him there like the you know, the rich jewish folks who, who uh find talent and and uh and get them recording contracts and so then of course right after that there he's in the the show and he's singing uh you know the pizza pie song and the the recording studio manager just says okay i'll give you 15 seconds to you know wow me i'm like oh great you know he can't even play a whole song you know that whole <laughs> that whole thing um i thought was pretty funny you know he, he's gonna play something original and the rest of the band he it wasn't it was not his band at the time it was like okay just follow me they're like we don't know what you're gonna sing <laughs> he's like just do what i do he's like what um, so anyhow, that whole sequence was was funny. And of course, the press somehow gets a hold of it within you know the time that he's in the the, the recording studio and makes it to the number one on the chart. Somehow it's not even been released yet. And he walks outside of the recording studio and all the women flock to him. He's like, What just happened? I thought that was probably the my favorite part.
0: Nice. Yeah, though no, that was really good. It, it, you almost kind of winced for him when he was doing that. Uh, I think it was like a play off of a Dean Martin song or something, but just with that tw- that country twang, it was so awful. <laughs> I love, you know, the guy who played the, the the audio engineer. He he, of course, excels at kind of like these more nineteen fifties esque characters that we've seen him in. But uh, <laughs> I just love. He's like, he just look at me like, this is without a doubt the worst thing I've ever heard. I mean, it was it was so like earnest but it was so like i don't know gut-wrenching at the same time just listening to him give the the honest feedback yeah that, that was really funny for me i man i don't even have a favorite part i think that there are so many funny moments in this whole thing and i don't know like like I could, even, I could say the, the, the moment where they go to India. If you notice the guy who was Indian in that scene, he's the same actor from, um, I think it was 40-year-old Virgin. He was working at like the the good guy's Circuit City electronic store thing. That was the same uh, character, the same guy. Well, not the same character, but he was the same actor. And uh, again, it was nice to be able to see him come back into a role like this. But like having all those comedians there being silly and ridiculous was great. I thought it was really fun too like when he's going through rehab and like we need more blankets get more blankets. Oh no he needs less blankets you know just something that like is like so not what a, like a doctor would say or do and having him like freak out and that sort of thing and then like having Jenna come back to him and them doing that like like they were totally making fun of a lot of romantic movies where, the couple's about to kiss, but they, they don't know if they should or not. And then they're, they're constantly like kind of going back and forth, taking turns. Like, should I, or should I not do I? No. Yes. No. Yes. You know, just little things like that. Uh, I just, I thought were are comedic gold. I also really love too how, like anytime he was upset, did you notice how he pulled out a sink? <laughs> a what? What did he, what did he do? He w- he would run into a bathroom and pull the sink out from the wall.
1: Oh, right, right, right. I was going to ask you about that as a sink. Yeah. I'm like, what in the world? Where is this coming from?
0: Yeah, it was totally just random and I don't know if, if you noticed even at the end, like when he's singing his final song, they have like this like crescendo moment where he walk, they're, he's kind of like reflecting on like different moments in his life and there's one where he walks into a public restroom and there's like this whole row of sinks and so he just starts right. pulling them out one at a time. Um, or even like when he's when he's tripping on PCP, <laughs> I'm running around with that like kind of a sumo wrestler undergarment and and climbing the wall and stuff. I don't know. There, there's there were my goodness, so many different scenes that for me personally, I, I just I thought were were a lot of fun. Going through all of that though, I'm curious what exactly are your concluding thoughts when it comes to this film, Steve.
1: Well, I would have to say, I think my taste in comedy is is particular. I don't think I share probably the the, the majority outlook of comedy because it, a lot of it seems like today, a lot of folks find funny what I don't find funny. So I almost don't. Want, I mean, I don't want to say like, hey, if there's a movie that I don't find funny, I recommend most people see it because they have a great. time. I don't want to say that, but I would have to say that if if you're a fan of maybe like Will Ferrell, and for sure like Step Brothers, because I, I well I I think we can agree Step Brothers was definitely funny. I oh, I, yeah. I thought Step Brothers was was funny. Um, I think I so I thought Step Brothers was funny. To, to someone else who thought Step Brothers was hilarious, I would I would recommend the movie this movie too because. Even though I didn't really see Step Brothers as in your face as this movie was, um, you know it was still funny. Now, for example, my wife thought Step Brothers was hilarious, but she didn't find this one funny. So, I think you have to have that comedy, that almost like slapstick shock comedy. I think. Um, to to really enjoy the film, you have to be a, you have to have that oh <laughs> kind of moment. You can't just like laugh at the wittiness to it, and I think that's where maybe i i <laughs> where the line is drawn for me is if something you know slaps me in the face, I don't necessarily think it's funny. I might chuckle at it, but I wouldn't find it hilarious. And if it's if if that happens once or twice. I'm having, a, I'm still having a good time, but if the whole movie is slapping me in the face, I'm not having, yeah, you know, I'm not going to be having a ball. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I think that's that's more this. I, I, can enjoy the the thought that went into it to make it a parody of, of, uh, from. From you know what a lot of celebrities maybe go through when they go from the, the, the earth to the moon so quickly with their stardom or with their star tum and with their fame and all of a sudden everybody wants a piece of them and they they have to battle with with uh, you know the responsibilities at home versus you know continuing to to fly further than the moon and 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 to the stars uh, but all the 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 temptations that go with it, you know, having a parody with that, you know, yeah, it, I I can enjoy it. I think it's fun. Um, but I just don't think it, it it could be fun, but it's not hilarious. So for me, the comedy, it, it did fall a little bit flat, but again, comedy, I think is very subjective because, I could tell a joke and I think it's hilarious and I could laugh at my jokes and oftentimes I do laugh at my jokes and I think they're funny. But I also know that you know I, I might be the only one laughing in the room too. Somebody else might not think it's funny and that's okay also. So anyhow, I think that you know you found it hilarious and I find you hilarious. But there are sometimes that you do you even joke around with me and others that I've also seen and. I'm going, no, Russ, too much, too much in your face. Like (laughs) you've gone over the deep end. Come on, reel yourself back in. And then you're having a blast with it. And I'm looking around going, "Um, uh, this is too much. So I could see why you would would, uh, enjoy the film more than yours truly.
0: And Gene, that's fair enough. Before I give my concluding thoughts, I did remember that I wrote down some little movie trivia, courtesy of IMDb, not a whole lot here, but I, you know, with this being kind of a a comedy on the music biopic, um, the musicians spoofed are Johnny cash. Like what you said, Steve, Uh, there's Bob Dylan, Ray Charles, David Bowie. Roy Orbison, Queen, Meatloaf, David Crosby, Jim Morrison, uh, Harry, Sh- what is this? I want to say Harry Chopin Sh- or Chepin. Uh, Donna Clean, Elvis Presley, The Cars, Christopher War- Ward, excuse me, Christopher Ward, uh, Nelly, Tim McGraw, The Beatles, Brian Wilson. Um, also during his Smile album period, Stevie Wonder, who actually lost his sense of smell after a 1973 car crash, and even Michael Jackson with the whole like monkey and giraffe as house pets yeah. kind of thing. So like right. like there there is like a really nice variety of artists who have made tremendous contributions to entertainment over the decades and there's a ton to draw from each of them and I thought it was really fun for them to be able to draw from those things and create this fictional character that kind of embodies a lot of those, those different things that we've come to learn about these, these artists, the, uh, the photograph on the poster of the movie itself. I don't know if you saw this, but it's based on the, the famous, Uh, Joel Brodsky photo of Jim Morrison, which was used for the best of The Doors album cover. It's that shot of John C. Riley with his shirt off. He's got kind of the same uh, necklace thing going and that sort of thing. Dewey Cox's audition at which he sings That's Amore is a reference to Elvis Presley. Apparently, he showed up at his audition for Sun Records wanting to sing like Dean Martin. The Sun owner, who was Sam Phillips, refused to record him until he and three members of the Sun House band started jamming on uh, Arthur Cruduo's That's All Right Mama, which became Elvis's first record, which I thought was interesting. And then uh, a few scenes um, that involved Dewey Cox having conversations with the spirit of his dead brother, Nate, and finding that Nate has grown older, even though he died as a boy, Um, and I I think you might be uh, familiar with this, Steve, is that in Cash, the autobiography, the basis for Walk the Line, the movie of 2005, Johnny Cash wrote about his struggle to cope with his older brother, Jack's accidental death. He said he routinely spoke with Jack into his own adult years and that Jack's spirit got older as Cash aged, always remaining two years older than Johnny. So I thought that was interesting. Uh, the priest in the movie, if you recall, remember, remember the priest that's kind of toward the beginning of the film where like he's he's singing like the whole I wanna hold your hand uh, right. song and right. someone like decks the, the preacher in the head. That is actually Ron Howard's dad. you know director Ron Howard, right? Uh, which I thought was really fun. and uh, and actually when it comes to the soundtrack of the various songs that John C. Riley himself sang, he did eight months of recording in the recording studio which I thought was really cool too, just getting into this character, especially considering that this wasn't even a drama. This was meant to be funny, but John C. Riley, I think can sing. Don't yeah, you agree? I would I was
1: absolutely agree. i thought, no, that he's not lip syncing anything else. Like that really match. Like that voice sounds like his voice for sure. If he were to sing.
0: Right. So going through then that, that's, that is all the, the trivia I found courtesy of IMDb. But uh, in conclusion for me, I think it goes without saying, I think that walk hard is one of my all time favorite comedies. It's the type of comedy that I can just put in at any given point in time. And it's just fun to watch. It's not a movie where you can only watch once or twice. And then you never watch it again. For me, uh, I think it's a lot of fun. I enjoyed the, the honestly, and this is, this is a, a note that I made for myself. I enjoyed the walkthrough of American music through the decades and how conscious the filmmakers were, to bring the sensibilities of those time periods, um, you know, including the mindsets, culture, the values of the time, the issues, et cetera, to accompany the various styles of music. And I think think that's where it kind of gets a bit of its meat and potatoes as a film and why I found there to be kind of similarities to a film like, like Forrest Gump is that Forrest Gump was a fictional character that went through a lot of different things that the country was experiencing that the the folks were experiencing going through and the changes they would make and and how he kind of remained the same largely despite how all these different things were happening around him and i think that that's a really rich form of storytelling that you know it doesn't get used as much as it should and i thought it was really cool how they they added that into this film and how there there is I don't know, to me, it proves how there's so much about life that can be spoofed or made fun of or just kind of where, where we take that kind of raw inventory of ourselves and we realize how funny we can be at any given point in time, even when we're not trying to be funny, whether it's the, the way we dress or the way we carry ourselves or certain things that, that um, interest us or whatever it is. And I think this film does, does a, a good job of that. Um, I would say that this is probably my favorite role that John C Riley has done and I like him in a lot of different roles and to your again to your point I think that John C Riley is just kind of John C. Riley in his films but I'd want to point out that there is something that is distinctly different about his approach where I've seen him in serious movies in the past and there is a a I don't know there's like like this weird changing of the barometer when it comes to his acting where when he would do those more serious movies um they were more heartfelt they were more serious but then he's able to just push it over the edge when it comes to a comedy where like he could totally be like you know his character's acting serious and that sort of thing despite the fact that it's being you know over the top or funny or whatever it is and he's able to to I don't know, kinda of, kind of wafer back and forth on that, which I don't think is an easy thing to do. Like to give you an idea, like there was a scene in the film where um he's talking to his wife after um putting together that horrible sounding masterpiece song that he was working on. Right. And uh and they really had this heartfelt moment where she was talking about how if he doesn't stop taking the drugs and promise her all these different things how she's gonna leave him and how they had this this really um, honest moment that you know, it, to be you know, honest, it wasn't funny. like the scene itself wasn't funny at all. It was actually it, it, like if you had never seen that movie at all and you just happened to flip to that moment, that scene, you would probably would have thought that it was actually a, a drama or a serious movie. But then when they're hugging and you know, the, the, during the embrace, you realize how they, they've they, uh, be able to, to come to an accord and an understanding and how he's going to write himself and everything else. And he quickly like pops another drug in his mouth. And then all of a sudden it turns into being funny again, because she's like, what did you put in your mouth? He's like, well, we go. you know, just that sort of thing. I think that that's a great example of how he was able to leverage both of those sides. Um, and I think, you know, if I could just say one more thing about that, I think there is an earnestness to the main character that I found to be unexpectedly touching, despite the fact that this is a comedy. I think that, that his character was, I would say largely an innocent character, but then of course was, you know, going through the worldly experiences and getting tainted along the way. And, and, all these different um, types of experiences shaped and fashioned who he was. And he started going down this rabbit hole, and having kind of like that redemption and toward the end and that sort of thing. But I don't know. I found that kind of uh, rewarding as well, because typically a, a lot of comedies that I see, the characters are so over the top or they're so ingrained in whatever it is that they're doing that I can't look anything past it just being a comedy. But in this instance, I do think that there, there are certain traits of this character that I found to be memorable. So what, uh, what rating would you give this Steve?
1: Oh boy. Um,
0: I would have to say two and a half, two and a half stars from Steve. That's okay, Steve, because I'm going to average that out, giving it five stars right there. And uh, you at home can be the judge as to uh, how you want to average that out or whatever it is you want to do. But uh, I'm, I'm glad that you did watch it. I am curious to know if maybe you'd have a better time with the film had you had been with me watching it. What do you think, Steve? Ah. Mm, uh... I, th- I don't think so. Cause there's been plenty of
1: times where I've watched movies with you and you're like busting a gut and I'm looking at you and I'm like, I guess I'll laugh cause you're laughing, but I'm laughing because you're laughing. Not because the moon, the movie's funny. Well, okay. <laughs>
0: cause you know, I was thinking about it like how um, oftentimes too, like your enjoyment of a particular comedy or something um, can be influenced by who you're watching it with. Cause I know like there are times where like, We'd watch something with dad, for instance, and he would just be the fun sucker in the room and it wouldn't be nearly as enjoyable had um, he not been there. You know what I mean? And I, Or like maybe the, it's, it's like just the wrong audience in general where it's like you know they're not going to enjoy it, so then you're kind of more focused on that as opposed to just like letting loose and having a good time. But, you know, fair enough. I, I just figured I would ask that question. Uh, I think that's about it. Did you have any other things you'd like to say? No, that'd be it, right? Well, in that case, it wraps up this episode of Joygasm. Make sure you tune in next week. Thanks for hanging out with us. If you enjoyed this episode, we invite you to check out patreon.com slash joygasm, which is spelled J-O-Y-G-A-S-M, and consider becoming a monthly contributor. You'll get exclusive perks and early access to the show, not to mention it really helps us continue doing what we love to do with your support. Also, you can follow us on social media and YouTube. Just do a search for Joygasm TV. Last but not least, search Joygasm TV on Twitch to see us stream our gaming adventures live every Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Central Time. We'll see you all next week.